0: The school campus has changed due to the pandemic. From that first day in March when schools shut down and students were sent home to now, the new school year just looks different. To any parent who set their sails to navigate these new waters, it may have seemed chaotic and choppy. The waters were uncharted, different options for your student, virtual versus hybrid versus full-time in person. How would students react to wearing a mask all day, and social distancing in small classrooms? What about the protocols for students testing positive? The horizon did not appear calm when we looked out. As adults, we just wondered how our students would handle this. In this episode, we hear from students about the changes and their perspective on the decisions that had to be made. One thing we are reminded of, students are resilient. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is the Thought Factory.
1: the Thought Factory
2: podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Thought Factory. I am in the studio by myself, but I have my co host Jeff Eckert with me on the line, on the phone. Say hello Jeff. On location today. (laughs) On location. We are not together but we are allowing ourselves to come together for this episode via technology. So good to hear your voice Jeff.
3: Yeah man yeah it's good to be here Jay and uh, Jason you've been doing a great work uh, specifically on this series especially in uh, really making these interviews happen and digging in and finding out some of this information and I can't wait to hear the responses of students and youth pastors, youth workers, talking about the effect that COVID has had on their campus experience, and uh, I can't wait to dive in that. We're going to be talking about it, and then last our last episode was about the election and what students had to say about that. Now, as we record this, Jason, we're in this historic moment that reminds me of what we lived through 20 years ago in 2000, where we're not exactly sure who the president is and I'm not I don't understand how we you know the meme that's been going around is you know they can count 150 million ballots on American Idol and a commercial break but we can't (laughs) I guess we can't count votes very well
0: right I guess there is some severity to the count itself but yeah we are finding ourselves in limbo before determining who our president is and I know media has declared and then we have other side of just saying, just wait, we're counting votes. We are. We got lawsuits and and the court's gonna decide. And yeah, back to 2000, where Bush and Gore were fighting for the presidency. It's very reminiscent of that where we thought one thing and then we waited over a month before finding out the outcome of another thing. And so is that going to repeat itself? Are we finding ourselves in that same situation or or not we don't know but it is interesting of the thoughts uh, of the students on politics even though they may not be of the voting age they still have their thoughts on who's running this country who's in charge the authority that we place ourselves under because of the country that we live in and and so yeah check that episode out it is it is fascinating it is obviously past the election but I think it's still worth listening to because of we are still in a an election year, an election period until we decide officially who our president is.
3: I, I would, yeah, I would just stop here and too and say you know in our staff we we kind of have this rule of thumb in terms of politics that we don't really address things the political uh, you know and in, in public stances on our personal social media and our um, you know ministries, but. Um, it's not that those things aren't important. Um, we think that it's very important, and some of these things, these issues that we're uh, discussing, and sometimes vigorously in our society right now, are super important. But let me let me just say a word to all of you ministry leaders that are listening, in terms of um, your your public stance on political issues, and I know sometimes. Moral issues and political issues, it gets gets to be a tangled web. So, for example, the issue of abortion, to me, would not be a political issue. It's a moral issue that's been politicized. But in terms of political issues and political views, I just want to encourage you to really consider what you want your voice to count for. In in our world today, which is more increasingly polarized, Everyone has a message, but I think as ministers and leaders in the church, we need to primarily give our voice to the gospel. And I, I tell people all the time, Jason, that when I look at the ministry of Jesus, we don't really see a lot that he has to say about politics. He has a lot to say about faith. He has a lot he has a lot to say about everyday life. And he could have spent his entire life in ministry um you know, talking about the the unjust Roman Empire, um, but he left that message outside of what we see in the Gospels. What we see his life counting for was was the kingdom message. Now, did he did he did that mean he didn't care about the the political or the you know what was going on in world affairs? Of course not. I'm sure he did. In fact, I'm sure he was very engaged in that. But I think the question is, how do we really change those things? And if there's one thing I've seen in this election, it's just a reminder that we so desperately, it seems like through all of humanity, we're we're like the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Give us our king. We want someone to lead us, so that we can cast either um, blame upon them for maybe our life not going the way it should, or um, you know we can we can maybe give credit to a human instead of just following after god it's not to say that we don't need leaders it's not to say we don't need elected officials but it's kind of all in where our hope is and so just an encouragement to you that are listening um, to just really be careful and i and i personally for me i want to use my voice for things of the kingdom and um, things that you know aren't divisive when it comes to, to politics so That's a great episode. Jason did a great job on it. And in the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about how do you build a winning culture in your ministry? And we've got five specific areas that we want to discuss and dive into when it comes to five ways that you can build a winning culture. And we're going to get really specific. We're going to talk about things that you can do, environments that you can create and You know, for a long time, Jason, we've talked about leadership in a lot of church ministry circles, but I think one of the things that's missing is culture, and that's the conversation that I've been interested in for the last few years is, you can be a great leader, but you can be in a losing culture, and so how do you build a winning culture? Because i found that not-so-great leaders can be in great cultures, and they can really thrive, but if you're a great leader in a bad culture— won't do so well. So I can't wait for us to, to dive into that for the next few episodes.
0: And before we get into the episode today in regards to the effects that COVID had on the school campus, wanted to, one, point out a free resource for you called the Trend Report. It's Adolescents and the Church Trend Report that you can download for free if you go to neverthesame.org slash trend report. You are able to see a lot of lot of data in regards to the student world and that is all based on students that are in the church that we've surveyed over the last year and their thoughts on a a variety of topics and it's all laid out in a beautiful 20-page pdf for you to download and look through and maybe use in your ministry as you are leading leaders as you're leading students as you are trying to figure out how you approach certain topics with your students in your ministry.
3: One more thing we'll mention is on, as we record this, uh, on November 12th, it's a Thursday night at 7.15 p.m. Eastern, we will be broadcasting live our event called Generations. And it's an annual event that we do. We wanna invite you to join us if you're curious about our ministry or if you're a follower of never the same our organization and you want to know kind of where we've been in 2020 and where we're going this year has affected us in some pretty profound ways especially financially so this is a fundraising event but we're going to be talking about what's happened and I'm going to give you a sneak peek behind the scenes of what this year has been like but then also give you a sneak peek of where we're going into the future for some pretty exciting things so Join us for, for that. You you can go to neverthesame.org slash generations, and that's Thursday, November 12th, 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. It's 30 minutes, so join us there. We'd love to have you on that as well. All right, so we wanna to talk today, Jason, and we're gonna hear from some students and leaders about their perspectives on the school campus. And both of us have kids in school, and it's interesting We've had, um, we have different experiences because our kids are different age, but Jason, you've you've got a pretty unique experience in your family going on right now because of COVID and how that's uh, you know affected your guys' life at home.
0: Yeah, my wife and I, we had to make the decision when the fall was approaching of what we were going to do in regards to sending our students back to school, whether we were going to do the hybrid thing, whether we were going to do the virtual thing, what, we didn't know how we were going to be affected by it. And so our original thought was going to be send them back full time. And we thought, well, hybrid, there's potential to have inconsistencies where you're in, you're out, what do we do? What's going on? So we just decided to go straight up 100% virtual. And so now my wife is home full time, with my four kids full time two of them are in school full time i have a third son who was supposed to be in preschool but we made the decision not to have a virtual experience for him because we just thought preschool is more social and how do you how do you get a preschooler to be social over the computer when you know after 5 minutes he's no longer interested and he just walks away and doesn't want to watch Um, (laughs) you know, so, so him and my daughter, who's our youngest are not in school, but I have two older sons that are in elementary. There is this strong balance of having to have the tension between two kids that need attention for just living, uh, demanding things of my wife throughout the day because they are young children. And then I have two other kids who are, Um, demanding because they need maybe some instruction or some motivation or need help finding certain things and so she is constantly just navigating between these two students the older students and the the two younger kids um, because it's all in the same household and it is it is a very interesting uh combination when you are just trying to Give your best to all of your kids and sometimes it's just not the case when you're just trying to, um, accommodate to four different people who have different schedules and different needs and different demands and all this stuff. My wife is doing a great job. One of the best that I've seen. Uh, I, okay. Really? I've only seen one, but <laughs> I think she's but doing she's a, one of the best. She's one of the best. She, 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 has so much grace and and I learned so much from her in how she reacts to the kids in those stressful times and uh and yet it it's really not ideal either because you're just you're not being able to give your best to every single student or every kid because they all have different needs so it's yeah it's wild and I know you're on the other spectrum with Older kids, two out of the house, and yet you still have a high school student. And yours is probably wildly different than mine.
3: Yeah. I mean, hearing you talk about yours, and, you know, of course, being good friends and knowing your family well, there's, you know, there's layers to everything in terms of how the campus is affecting students and how it's affecting families and parents. So thinking about the stress level in your house. As compared to mine, you know, I've got a daughter who is a sophomore in high school. And uh, so for her, it's it's been a little bit of a different experience. You know, she's had um, some friends that um, have had to go through quarantine. So she's had to go through that. And, um, you know, being able to go back to school and, and physically be uh, on campus for the majority of this year so far, of this school year, and uh, all the precautions, and we pretty much get almost a daily email from from our school, uh, giving us an update. And uh, I stopped in last week and talked to the principal of our public school, just about how things are going and and what um, they're facing there, just to just to get an update. And um, and you know, so for our daughter, it's it's you know just kind of rolling with the punches where um, she's you know definitely. Impacted by things, but I pretty much ask her every day, "Hey, how how's it going?" Um, you know, you know what she says, Jason. Right? I say, "Hey, how was school?" And she says, "Good." And I say, "Good," every day. And Good. then I <laughs> try to go a little bit deeper. That's right. And I ask her, uh, "Hey, you know, tell me a little bit about what it was like in school and our students doing okay and what you know, what's it like in lunch?" And so they're able to have somewhat of of, um, you know, a little bit of a back to, uh, what it was type experience, but it's all over the place. So right now, um, our daughter is doing, uh, school, uh, online and just being on zoom literally all day, getting a few short breaks here or there. So it's a, it's a, it's a long day for these students. And what I've noticed with, with our daughter is that, um, she, she's doing fine, but it seems like it's, I think, more tiring for her physically in just the changes and just dealing with it. So I would say that's one effect that she's had. Um, and so, you know, this, Jason, everyone's all over the map. And so it's going to be interesting to hear these conversations uh, from these students all over the country about what their experience has been like. And so, before we get into that, maybe give us a couple observations as you went through these interviews. What are some things that that you noticed that we should look for as we're listening?
0: One of the biggest things that I've noticed was I was I was also going in with an assumption, and I think a lot of adults also approach students with assumptions, and this is no different. That this assumption was, oh, it must be awful for you. Um, it is probably the worst uh, that you could possibly have experienced, or um, it's a negative experience for you, you probably hate wearing masks all day, or, um, so there's some of these assumptions that as adults, we we tend to project, and yet these students were pretty positive, they were pretty real in regards, not every interview made it into the episode, um, but the ones that made it in were were finding that it you know even if we were to question the um the decisions that were made by the school administration and the teachers and all that had to be shifted and changed there was a really strong positive reaction to that going you know i got grace for them because you know they're doing the best that they can and so i thought that was pretty Uh, enlightening to me because I would think oh man when change happens it it can affect the psyche of the student and their mood changes and it's no longer the the way it used to be and really they're just rolling with the punches and going yeah this is this is totally fine and it caused me to even think about the question that you had asked your daughter in regards to mask wearing and and just thinking that she would have an issue and what was her response?
3: Yeah, her response was, uh, "Hey, you know, it's just what we have to do. It's just part of life. It's just an everyday thing." So, and and I I heard another parent say this, you know, if, if if you as a adult have a strong feeling about mass, either way, don't really, don't really say that around your students if you know that that's the world in which they live, because it just adds to their stress level. So. I've just been really neutral, nonchalant. And say, hey, how do you, you know, how's it going? And she's just like, yeah, it's just kind of what we have to do. It's just part of the experience, and so she's okay.
0: Right. And so what I've found is that they are flexible and they're resilient and they, they are able to adapt to new circumstances, and they still have their opinions on, on maybe something that they don't really appreciate, like more homework or more screen time. But ultimately. What I thought was going to come out with these students was going to be more of an, a negative response. And instead it was uh, flexibility, grace, positive, and, you know, it doesn't diminish how hard it is for them because it is hard and they miss their friends. But um, I think we can also project our assumptions and our stress or uh, our conclusions on to students. And that, again, it just shows how sometimes that causes us to lead in a certain way.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to, to hear these interviews and, and just hear from students themselves uh, what the experience has been like through this historic time as students are dealing with uh, COVID on campus.
0: things are clearly different for students heading into the new school year what they knew about attending school has changed to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus we talked to middle school and high school students from california new york colorado kansas tennessee and michigan answering the question how has their school experience changed and the response to it
4: personally i'm someone who likes to be in person and learn like one-on-one or in a group like there. I don't like the whole virtual being at home. That was hard at the beginning of quarantine. And now we're doing the hybrid. We're in school two days a week and out of school the rest of the week, which is definitely better, but still I enjoy going in on school those days that
5: I have it. It's been quite rough actually. We switched online in in early April, went all the way through middle of May. Uh, and right now we're still doing online, but in middle of October, we're switching to hybrid classes. Our um, district really does not have a plan, but uh, the school aspects, I mean, school's way different than it was uh, seven, eight months ago, and it'll probably be different for rest of the year I wouldn't be surprised right now um and also it goes with also playing sports uh, sports at school really the only time I'm at the building is uh, for extracurricular activities I showed up to cross country at four four ten and then that's that's really it the only time I get to see school these past few months so yeah
6: um well the biggest part was that we're completely online And they're having a school board meeting today to decide if we should go back to school for the hybrid option or if we should just stay online.
5: Uh,
7: Well, my school experience has changed quite a bit. So in far as uh, when we go, we have to get our temperatures checked every morning. It sometimes makes some people, they got to get there earlier now so they don't, be late to stuff but uh yeah you got your temperature checked in the morning it's mandated that you have to wear a mask uh you have to be six feet apart and all the classes all the desks are spread out um some of my teachers actually uh it's so spread out in the rooms that some of them have to use microphones now so everybody can hear them uh so that's changed a little bit
6: um school is just harder like very much harder because you don't get, like, the one-on-one interaction with your teachers like you used to. Um, you don't really get to, like... You get to know a person, but you don't get to really know a person because you don't really know what their face completely looks like. So, yeah, like a, like a figure of your imagination of what their face looks like. So you come up with your own, like, person, and then you see their face, and you're like, oh, that's not the person that I was thinking of. It's just harder to make connections than, um, to learn because... I learned with connections and I don't, I just can't receive those.
2: Um, My
8: school experience has changed because with my friends is like, we still get to see each other on like zoom and stuff like that. But, um, we don't like get to interact because the teacher is always talking and like, sometimes you get to interact with the teacher, but you don't get to have one on one time with your friends. So it's been like the social part that has affected me um, more in this change of school. Um, My school life has changed during COVID-19, especially as like a high schooler, it's changed drastically. Like where every night or every Friday night I was going to a football game or every night I was like hanging out with friends and now I'm stuck at home on a Zoom call because we're all online. Out here, and I don't even know more than half the people in my class, and there's no social interaction, which isn't fun. So, school has almost turned into a routine that we do at home where we wake up, we get on a meeting, and then we go and do classwork and homework. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of bonding happening in school, and there's not like a lot of social interaction either.
2: Um, so, when school first started back last semester it was moved online for the rest of the year and at first that was really nice to get to sleep in or do school in my pajamas but then it did kind of get hard because you can't collaborate with your like other students you can't um, be as interactive with people and that's really important in learning so that part was really hard Um, and then Moving into this year, we had a portion of online school and then parts where we would go in person and other parts of the week would be at home. That was really helpful to get back in the groove of things. And now we're actually fully in person. And that has been really good. We do have to wear a mask, which is sometimes a hassle, but it's been such a good experience. And I've been really <laughs> trying to be really intentional about how I am at school now because I could not be going the next week in person, so.
0: To broaden the student view, we also asked youth pastors around the country from the same states as the students you just heard from about what they are seeing in their areas in regards to the school experience for the students they lead.
9: Yeah, so students' response to what's happening is kind of all over the map. I have uh, most of my students at the end of the day, um, Some I have a definite percentage of kids who are fearful. Like they... They're fearful to come back to school. They're fearful to go back in person to church or to youth ministry. Um, there, there's definitely a, a small percentage. It's not a big percentage, but a small percentage who are fear-based, whether it be parents or students. And when I say fear, like really like fearful, like uh, like have thought about like if they – the them potentially dying if they get this or pass it on to a family member. And so not, uh, not like this – not these crazy like fear over faith, but like people who genuinely – probably to a level of anxiety or unhealth, um, have an unhealthy view of, of the virus. That We would have that percentage. I would say most of my students, I feel like, are kind of in this middle category of like, life is what it is right now. I'm kind of just living and seeing what happens. We don't like what's happening around us. Emotionally, they're, they're kind of all over the map. They have good days, bad days. Some are just sick of being online and uh, and really for most of our students, like they truly, I think the thing that they miss the most that they keep talking about how it's affected them is like the in-person gathering or actually being with their friends.
1: So right now it seems like even some of the uh, schools that started out virtual, a lot of them have now moved um, to doing more in-person or they moved a little bit sooner than they anticipated. So it seems like for a lot of our students, now we pull from quite a few different middle schools and high schools. So, but it seems like the majority of our students are meeting in person. Um, Those that are meeting virtual, I know that they're missing a lot of their connections, but man, I just feel so much for the teachers and administrators right now. You can just, you get the sense from like, we have some teachers that volunteer with us And I can just feel their exhaustion when they walk into the space that we're in. Um, And so I know that they're trying their hardest to make that experience as normal for our students as possible. Honestly, I've been impressed with the students and their resiliency um, and willingness to adapt to the situation that we are finding ourselves in. I've just been really impressed by, um, yeah, their resiliency and willingness to try new things
3: kids that are hybrid um, they're grateful for that time to get in person and, and, and do that um, it, it, for some of it, it's just they are they're definitely um, still missing that and then those that are fully online they're definitely starved for, for connection students are um, they are resilient I think you know, we've got kids that are, are doing the best they can in it
9: the way I see it I think most students they're they're ready to be back in school they want to be back in school and, and I joke around with them and I'm always I always say would you guys ever think that there would be a day that you would be saying oh I'm ready to be sitting back in class you know and 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 they kind of laugh about that but it seems like you know 80 to 90 percent of the students that's where they're at and and I'm not saying that that's my opinion that that's where they need to be You know, I think a lot of this has to do on the deal with the community that they're in and um, and how things are, you know, going with with COVID within that community. But most from in our within our community are ready to be back in class. A lot of parents are ready for those students to be back in class. And I think that they really are longing for person to person like connections.
0: So would students change anything with how their school handled things? No, not really. For the most part, students were positive and understanding about the hard decisions that needed to be made and the changes that had occurred in their schools.
4: I think our school did the best that they could and just kind of followed the rules. And I don't know if I would change anything just because, I mean, they probably know more specific things than I do and um i think they did the best that they could do with the different procedures and whatnot
5: i think our school handled it the best they could i mean with limited with limited information and everything bad things started to happen really quick i think our school made the right decision to just uh you know keep kids out of the building as much as possible now there was about a three-week stint where we didn't have classes that was that's just because we didn't really. Uh, None of the teachers had a lesson plan uh, for online school, and we get and a lot of us understood that. But outside of that, our school, our school district did a great job to uh, ensure people's safety. And for for a while, our numbers were pretty low uh, because of that decision. So yeah. Um, I feel like my school is actually
6: handling things like very well. I don't think there's anything much that they could have done differently to make things better. Like, um, we're spaced out. We wear masks all day. We, you don't come in close contact with anyone really. You don't, you like eat at your own table. Everything's, everything's kind of like to the best that we can do.
7: Their response, I feel like the response was pretty well because like you can't, it's kind of hard to see this stuff coming. So, I mean, their response, I would say, was pretty head-on. They canceled it when they needed to, and it was mandated too. and they did their best to get everybody back in the swing of things with all the mandates that they had to put out. Uh, so I think their response is pretty well-oriented in the fact that they did everything they could.
2: I was actually really impressed about how my school handled things. Um, they really took into consideration everything going on and tried to make it as functional as possible. Um, They made sure that we could have some sort of interaction online with our teachers. And teachers were really good about that, making sure that we knew they were there um, for anything that we needed. And then it was really nice to be able to uh, go back in person this semester And I think they transitioned into that well. So I don't really think I would change anything about that.
0: I am reminded of how sometimes our perception of a situation is different than what a student may see or interpret. As a parent, I had seen some of the logistical hurdles for my own children or worried about how my preschooler would handle being taught by a faceless teacher who had to keep their distance. I questioned the consistency or the possibility of my own child getting COVID and being labeled as the kid who everyone has to keep their distance for the remainder of their life. Yeah, maybe there is some hyperbole in that statement, but parents had to make decisions about school with many questions swirling in their head and students appear to just roll with the punches. Adults have so many more years of life experiences to allow different perspectives. And I'm not saying students are naive or ignorant but sometimes our assumptions are wrong and it can bleed into how we lead students or how we make decisions for our students. We can be quick to come to conclusions, but James 1.19 keeps coming to my mind. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. In that quickness, are we failing to listen? Are we failing to be gracious no matter the decisions or the outcomes, even amongst the chaos?
1: The Thought Factory
2: podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.